Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Okay, we are live. I am really excited. Today we have another really great guest speaker. Um, her name is Eva Mesa, and she is going to be talking to us today about getting into grad school in psychology. And I'm going to go ahead and get started with her bio. So Eva Mesa is an incoming first year psychology PhD student at UC Davis. She has been awarded the Distinguished Scholar Fellowship. Uh, Eva is from San Jose, California. I've actually got a good girlfriend who just moved there. <laughs> she is a first, uh, first generation born low income student, and she's very passionate about increasing Latinx enrollment into graduate school. So welcome so much, Eva. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here and I love listening to your podcast. Oh, that means a lot. <laughs> so, um, just to get us started, I I would love, you know, just to, for me to get to know you a little bit more, for the listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, your backstory, and also everything that led you to pursuing, you, you know, the graduate program you're about to start now? Yes. So my parents are both born um, in Mexico. Um, my mom is from Mexico City. My dad is from Nayarit. And uh, I was born here in San Jose, California. I attended school here. Uh, my mom was very adamant about me attending Catholic school. And um, we were very low income, but um, I got by on scholarships and things like that. And I really enjoyed my education. I feel like it was a very good foundation. And my mom, although um, she had an education here, she grew up like a Chicana and um, she's fluent in Spanish and English. She actually did go to college. When I started school, she also started school. And she did her bachelor's in psychology and um, she became a teacher. And I saw that, I saw her go through her educational journey and that really normalized college for me. And I, I remember going to her classes and sitting in her classes and her professors would give me toys and um, things to, uh, to play with, to keep me entertained um, while she did her schooling and um, she got her credential, became a teacher. And I remember going to her classes as a fourth grader, she was teaching fourth grade. And it would be so much fun just um, interacting with other kids and I would try to teach them. <laughs> and it was, it was a, a very, um, it was a very good childhood. I, I got to interact with a lot of kids and I got to see my mom go through her educational journey. Um, my dad was also very, um, you know, he was very encouraging and motivating when it came to education. He, I'm an only child. So all their resources and all their love and attention was funneled through me and I had a very good, um, a good educational foundation as well as a, a very good family, very good support system. And um, I never not, didn't think about going to college. I always thought I was going to college. It was just something so normal for me. Um, and so I was at Notre Dame High School here at, in San Jose and it was an all girls Catholic school. So I was very excited to go to a co-ed, um, you know, undergraduate and I chose UC Riverside. And it was just an amazing school. It was exactly what I needed. And my first choice was actually UC Davis and I didn't get in. 
And I thought, oh, you know, uh, I was a bit disappointed, but I feel like life gives you what you need, not what you want. And so UC Riverside was exactly what I needed. And I just had an amazing time. I really uh, got to grow as a person. I really made a great uh, support system. Uh, I met a lot of friends, a lot of like Latinos that looked like me. And it also normalized the whole um, graduate school thing for me as well. A lot of, I came in as a chemistry major. So a lot of the friends that I made were pre-med and they were all, you know, translators at clinics and um, scribes and um, really into the medical field. And I thought like all these people around me are gonna be doctors and they're all applying to grad school. And it just really continued to normalize um, con the continuance of school for me. Yeah. So, wow, there's so much there, so much from hearing your backstory about your mom and dad being so kind of critical to shaping your interests. That's so amazing that you got to witness your mom go through her own educational process and to have a very encouraging dad. And um, like you said, that was education, um, was normalized for you. And then you said something that ha like stuck with me. You said, life, give you, life gives you what you need, not what you want. I love that. That's such a great quote in terms of how you ended up going to UCR instead of UC Davis. And now I kind of, I feel like everything comes full circle because you're going to start at UC Davis, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so can you tell us before you talk about like applying to grad school and, you know, you know what it's like now about to go to UC Davis, um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you even got to psychology aside from your mom? I know you said you were around a lot of peers that were interested in med school. So I'm surprised to hear you say that you didn't, that you didn't go that route. So how did, how did you go from having a, you know, a bunch of friends interested in med school to then thinking, actually, maybe I want to stick to psychology. What was your thinking when it came to that? Right. So yes, I started as a chemistry major and it wasn't until like my second year I was doing organic chemistry and I was like, this isn't for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, they're called leader courses for a reason. They are. Oh. And it was just so, it was like trying to fit my foot into a shoe mm. that didn't fit. And I was, it, I struggled a lot and I would, I consider myself a good student, but the classes were just so difficult and I just was not getting it. And I was not happy. I would, on Tuesdays, I would just cry from just being overwhelmed and I, I was not happy and I didn't see the big picture of what am I going to do with this? Am I going to go to med school? Do I want to go to med school? Am I just here because everyone else is doing it? I don't want to conform. But at the same time, I thought like, what are people going to think of me? Like I'm quitting. So I was like, okay, uh, let me try neuroscience. And then I did neuroscience for like a quarter, two quarters. And then um, I joined a neuro lab and I liked the lab. It was great. I had to um, do experiments with mice. That wasn't so great. <laughs> I worked in a basement and I was thinking like, no, this isn't for me either. I can't imagine myself working in a basement with mice like the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I still didn't see myself um, going into the medical field. Uh, so uh, I did translating at a clinic. I was a Spanish uh, translator and I got some of my hands-on um, learning with um, what the medical field would be like, maybe even public health. Um, and I, it also wasn't, it wasn't for me. And I had applied to many public health internships and I got rejected from all of them. I, they were, 
I, they, I, I don't even know if they were really hard to get into. I just, I kept getting rejected from them. And it was just uh, like a redirection because I ended up applying to my PhD program. And it was a lot harder to get in than all the public health internships that I had applied for. So um, as I uh, transitioned out of neuroscience, I took a psychology course and I loved it. It was great. I absorbed the information quickly. I just learned so well and so much and I was so engaged. And then it wasn't until I took my um, first like, social psychology course, I was sitting in lecture and she was talking about like relationships, attraction, attachment theory, um, you know, Gottman's. And it was so interesting to me and so engaging. And I was so passionate about the material. I would think about it often. I would study it. I would have study groups with my friends and explain everything to them. Like, uh, and I would just, I was so engaged and I was so passionate. And it was the first time where I felt like, this is for me, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I just love the aspect of also teaching it to other people. Uh, I thought it was, there's a certain, I don't know, enthusiasm to teaching others about something you're passionate about. So I thought maybe grad school for psychology maybe my master's, um, but I know that the job market for a master's in psychology could be very competitive. So I thought maybe a PhD, but I was also too scared to think of what if I don't get in? What if I get rejected? Um, you know, and then uh, I talked to my godfather and he told me that he's like, don't let them don't eliminate yourself. Let them eliminate you. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to apply. I'm going to see what happens. Um, so I decided to apply. I emailed some professors from different schools and um, they got back to me. Um, one of them uh, taught relationship research at UC Davis and we just connected very well. He seems like a very good person, a very good mentor. And um, I could see that he saw a lot of potential in me. So the next day after I applied, he emailed me. He's like, you have an interview. And I honestly started crying because I was so like, I don't know, I was so surprised, I was shocked. I was like, wow, like he wants me to go to the school. He, you know, that's the next step towards uh, actually getting in. And, you know, UC Davis has always been my dream school. Uh, five years ago when I had first applied, I had a dream that I was um, riding my bike on campus because it's a biking campus. And it was so, uh, it was a wonderful like dream. I was so happy and then I had, I didn't get in. So I was very disappointed, but I feel like now I'm reliving that dream um, now that I'm actually going to go there in September. That's, that's um, it really inspiring to hear you say so many words of wisdom. I'm just like, how did you learn all of that already <laughs> from earlier? Like saying that, you know, you, you were applying to all these public health internships and you're like, oh, that was actually a redirection instead of what a lot of people do is they take rejection as like this personal hit like there's something wrong with me instead of thinking actually I'm supposed to do something else for now and then um and then your godfather telling you like let them eliminate you let them say no to you don't say no to yourself um is the way I took it when you said that um that's um hopefully some people kind of that that will stay with them too is like don't don't be the one, you know, to say no to yourself. Cause that's the thing when, when something is like your dream, like your dream school, UC Davis, it is a big deal. It's no wonder you were crying. I mean, it's, it doesn't feel real. You're just like, are you, are you sure that <laughs> they make a mistake? Like, are they going to think twice? There's always that like voice in the back of your head, especially if it's new to you. And so I'm, I'm curious, I, I'm, you mentioned that 
you took a social psychology course and that, that was one of the turning points for you. And then you had this conversation with this professor about relationship research. And so I would love to hear more because you're here to talk about psychology, like, you know, what is that what you're going to be pursuing? Is it um, social psychology that you're going to be studying? And if so, you know, can you say a little bit more about that? Like, what is it that you're going to be studying? Why did you choose social psychology? In case there are other psychology majors among my listeners, and also because I know for a fact, I've worked with students who are psych majors. It's such a broad major. So one, number one is like, it's one of the psych and social are like the one, one, some of the majors that have the highest enrollment rates on our campus. And then two, because it's so popular, it's, there's also that competition. Like it's no surprise that you were intimidated to apply because it's, you know, I, I know I've, I've told my students, yeah, usually you have to have a high GPA, like it's very competitive. So um, I would just love to hear you know, if, if there's a student out there who is currently majoring in, in psych or thinking about majoring in psych, and you know, what made you choose social psych versus other forms of psych? Right. I believe it was mostly like my coursework or my undergraduate. I took developmental psych. I took perception psych. Um, and out of all of the psychology courses I took, social psychology just stuck with me. I just I was so involved in learning more about the way people interact with others and um, social psychology happens every day in our lives and there's always so much to learn. And another aspect is the lack of studies on Latinos and um, the Latino population and the lack of graduate students in the psychology field. And I feel like I need to fill in those gaps and I need to encourage other Latinos to go into graduate school and into whatever they, you know, they feel the need to, uh, they feel compelled to. But um, in my uh, field of psychology, I was very interested in like relationships and attraction, um, specifically within the Latino population. Uh, I also want to learn more about machismo, how machismo affects relationships. Is machismo still very prevalent in our society today? Is it prevalent with, within Chicanos or just within Mexicanos? Um, there's so many topics that I, you know, have thought of. I also want to study about Tinder, uh, the effects of Tinder. Um, you know, there's so many interesting topics that I would be very willing to study about and do research on. And that's why I'm going into this field is because, you know, I'd rather study about, you know, relationships and people than babies <laughs> in developmental psychology or, you know, perception. And psychology all around is just so interesting. And, you know, I think that I have, I'm very privileged to have the opportunity to study something I'm very passionate about. And a lot of people think like, oh, five years in school, you're going to do another five years. But I'm so excited because I feel like my last four years were not enough for me. And I love learning and I love being a student and I um, like continuing to learn and I love reading books um, and I love learning more about others and interacting with other people. And I feel like social psychology really, um, it's a full circle for me with, um, it, it helps me be who I want to be and study what I like and uh, be a passionate person that's doing, um, that tries to do good for others and encourage other people to, to do this. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, I, I'm trying to process, this is what happens is I, I try not to go from one question to the next. I, I like to give myself time to process what you're saying when you're giving me your answers because I can't guess what you're gonna say. And you said something um, right now that I think, because um, I, I do want us to talk about the whole process of applying to grad school, but 
you said the last four years were not enough for me yeah. and um and how you want to make a difference with you know through what you're studying and so you you need more time with it and that's one of the things that sometimes people um, ask me, like, well, should I or shouldn't I go to grad school? Like, how do I know? And I think that's one of the ways that you can tell whether or not, you know, you, you might be like a good fit to apply to a grad program is if you feel like undergrad was not enough. Because definitely for me, I feel like it was all surface level information. And I kind of got to some more substance through undergraduate research, but it still didn't feel like enough. And I still felt like I had so many questions and so much more that I wanted to study. And so you saying the last four years were not enough. Um, and so that led to you applying to, to grad school. So I want to hear a little bit more about um, the whole process of, of applying. Like, I would love to hear your experience because I didn't apply to grad school during the pandemic, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't apply to grad school during the times of like social media and all these apps and all this and probably information overload. And so I'm curious if you could talk about your experience in applying, you know, within the last cycle and also just what you learned along the way so that if there, I know a lot of people who are just starting to listen to my podcast, it's because a friend of a friend told them because they're interested in applying to grad school this fall. So kind of like, you know, what was your what was your process application process like? And then also for someone who's doing it for the first time, you know, in light of everything that's going on, you know, there's the pandemic still technically not gone. It's still happening. Like what advice would you give someone who's going through this process in these strange times? Right. Actually, yeah. uh, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise for me because um, the GRE is required for most cycles, but I'm a horrible tester, a very bad tester. OMG, me too. <laughs> I'm so glad that GRE is like becoming less and less of a thing. Oh, yeah. And it actually, um, I didn't have to take it, uh, the cycle because of the pandemic. Um, you couldn't go to a testing site and a lot of people didn't have access to internet and, and things like that. So I, it was waived for me and it was just a huge blessing because, uh, you know, they relied on my strengths, my grades, um, my essays, my recommendation letters. And that was, that was amazing. Um, but I was going to say when I first graduated undergrad, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still very um, indecisive about going to grad school. And I think that my gap year um, really solidified what I like, what I don't like. And it gave me time to be very introspective about my passions and who I am as a person, what I wanna do, what my goals are. Um, it gave me a lot of time to also read a lot of like self-help and psychology books that um, helped me become a, the best version of myself and, um, and really showed me um, what I wanted my future to look like. Um, and I, I took a lot of time for myself and I actually got a nine to five job. I'm working at Intel right now and I actually don't like it that much. It's great. I like the job, but I just can't imagine working nine to five every day, 40 hours a week for the rest of my life, unless it was a job I was very passionate about. And I felt like I was, my potential was being very like fulfilling. Um, but in this case, it's not, it's um, very tedious, very routine-like, and it solidified the fact that I need to go to grad school and I need to have more opportunities available. And I'm actually very excited to go back to school. And, you know, once I graduated, I thought I, I had, I was in denial because it was just so abrupt because of the pandemic. I had lost a quarter and a half of 
of normal school time and I had to finish my classes online and I didn't have my um, normal commencement and it was very um it was just I, I was very shocked <laughs> and I felt like I was going back I felt like I was a junior and I, I had still to finish my senior year and then you know September came around and I didn't go back to school and I just really like missed it I missed the environment I missed um, being on my own I miss being independent I miss the flexibility um, and with the job that I have now you clock in you clock out and you're done um, but I feel like with school it could be hard sometimes because you never really clock out you always have to you always think about what's next what you have to do we have a huge to-do list but at the same time it's all for your own benefit you're not benefiting a corporation you're benefiting yourself your community the people around you um, the psychology field or the research field you're doing so it's a lot more fulfilling doing that um, and I think my advice to someone who's applying to grad school is to do it um, I think that we need more Latinos in grad school we need more people of color in grad school and I know I'm not looking forward to, you know, being the only one, the only Latina there. And um, I don't know if people are going to think I'm a diversity hire or, you know, whatever the case may be. I know I'll have imposter syndrome moments, but I'm willing to um, I'm willing to go through that for the good of other people. I want people to see me maybe as a professor or whoever I decide to do or whatever I decide to be. I want them to think like if she could do it, I could do it. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, they should do it. They should reach out to me. They should reach out to other, other people of color who are in the field and just don't be scared to reach out to them. They, they're willing to give you good advice. They want to see you succeed. And anyone who reaches out to me, I'm willing to help them um, as much as I can for free. I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't charge people to help them. I want to see them succeed and I want to see more people of color in, in higher education. That's amazing. Um, so when I asked you that question, I know I asked you to share advice for anybody who's applying this fall, but then you mentioned something that I, I don't think I quite realized, even though I knew you were working. <laughs> I didn't real, I didn't make the connection that you this is your gap year. Yes. And um, you know, it's I feel like that's something that comes up over and over and over again. This question of a gap year is like uh, folks have asked, like, how do I make the most of a gap year? What do I do during a gap year? How do I even like apply to grad school during a gap year? Are my professors or the recommenders going to forget about me? And so did you run into any of those concerns when you were thinking of applying to grad programs? Were you thinking, oh, well, now I'm no longer a student and how am I going to navigate this process? Like, how did you do that all while while working or while um, no longer, yeah, being enrolled and having access to university resources, all of that? Right. Um, so I, I made connections during my gap year. I um, so it all started. I joined this program called Científico Latino, and they help Latinos, um, underprivileged students, um, get into graduate school in STEM and psychology. Um, so I applied to the program. I was paired with a mentor named Karen, and she's from University of Wisconsin, a professor, super nice. She helped me with everything, and she was studying, or she teaches uh, perceptional psychology. So then she connected me with her colleague, uh, Dr. Brower, who is a psychologist as well and a researcher, and um, I worked in his lab during my gap year. I um, I did some things for him and, um, and I, it actually, I learned a lot from the lab. I learned a lot of like statistical knowledge as well that I'll be using in grad school and making that connection um, secured one of my letters. 
Uh, the other two letters came from um, my professor that I worked with in my neuroscience lab. And I worked with him throughout my sophomore year to my senior year. And he gave me very good advice as well when I was applying. He encouraged me to apply. And he was just a really um, strong mentor for me. And I really appreciated all his help. And he wrote me a letter as well. And then my third rec letter came from my public speaking teacher. I had a class and I loved her. She was great. She was a really great lecturer. She gave very enthused lectures. I always thought like if I was going to be a professor, I would want my lectures to be as enthusiastic as hers, as engaging as hers. And I kept in touch with her through the years. I went anytime she gave like a brown bag talk or a discussion, you know, in a conference room, I would go to all of them. I would email her. I went to office hours. And so she remembered me and I, you know, I really admired her. And I think that's why I stayed in contact with her because, you know, I, I feel the need to make connections with people that I admire, that I want to be more like, and that I respect. And um, she was just one of those people. And she really shed light on like my character because she's known me throughout the years um, versus my, um, my research professor um, highlighted what I could do, um, my research skills, because he got to see that firsthand throughout the years. And then my new professor, um, got to see, got to highlight um, who I am as a person, even though he didn't know me that long, um, that I'm a fast learner and things like that. And I feel like those three different recommendation letters um, really helped shape my my application as a person and helped the whoever read it to know who I am as a person and the different aspects of me, not just one aspect, not just my academic aspect, but also my character, my personality uh, and different things like that. So while you were doing your gap year, you said you were involved in this Científico Latinos program, yes. and then you you um, you ended up doing some work in a lab. But then you also secured a full time job with Intel. Like I'm trying to figure out your timeline of what you did when, because um, that's the for me it's hard to give advice on how how to make the most of a gap year because i it's not my lived experience and so i i can give examples of like people that i know that might have done done that and and i'm always curious like what do you think helped you out the most was it that reflection time was it the working full time was was it that program the scientifico latinos program was it the, that connection with the professor? Was it the lab, the additional lab work? So I'm, I'm, there's, you've done a lot. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. I, I did make the most of my, of my gap year and I'm really happy with my lived experiences during this time. So I graduated and I decided to take uh, maybe six months. I didn't really keep track. I thought I'll get a full-time job when I get one. It'll appear when I need it to appear. Um, so during this time, uh, I was just helping my mom out with her classes. She was doing online classes um, and I was there as her technical support if she needed anything. She's actually a master at it, so <laughs> she didn't need my help much. So I, um, I dedicated time to exercising. I got really into books. I read a lot of books um, and then I joined that program. I joined Científico Latino the day, the deadline of the program. I, I decided to join to apply and I got in. And so um, the it was during the grad uh, graduate school application program. I was not working during that time. I was just um, chatting with my mentor. I was in the lab. Uh, I was doing that uh, maybe three times a week, uh, you know, just work for the lab. And this I, was, was this in person or is this when you say work in online. the lab? 
Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> when you say worked in the lab, I'm, I'm like, I, I, for some reason, I just can't help but think of you being there in person. So, oh, no, no. Okay. yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is all uh, remote because yeah. they're in Wisconsin. So they're, I'm not flying out there. I'm from California. Yeah. You never know. I did hear of a student who did a summer experience and it what they did fly them out in person. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, um, this is all remote. Um, but yeah, when I say in the lab, I mean like on my computer <laughs> doing work for the lab. And so I did that. Um, and then it wasn't until February that I actually started working in person. And so I've been working the past seven months. Um, and But in February, I had already turned everything in. Everything for me was due in December, I believe. Um, so I just focused on that. I, I first I took time to intro, be introspective and reflect and um, do everything I needed to do self-care. And then I decided, once I decided I wanted to um, actually apply to grad school, I applied and then um, I focused all my energy on that, just applying, um, doing my essays. I was, my mentor helped keep me on track with everything and it's just so much to remember. Um, so it's really um, beneficial to have a support system. And then uh, after I applied, then I decided to start working and save money. Um, and so I started working, I started my 401k, I started my Roth IRA, um, I learned a lot about um, being financially um, stable and um, what to do in the stock market. And I think that, you know, it's important to take that time to become financially literate. I think that um, we as a society don't place enough value on um, the importance of being financially literate and what you need to do and, um, you know, techniques and strategies. Um, so I took time to study that. And then now um, I'm working, I've saved a lot of money. Um, my program is fully funded, um, but I also want to have like an emergency fund in case I ever need money or, you know, I want to travel. And I've decided to also put money towards my travel funds. I'm going to Hawaii and going to different places that, you know, also brings me a lot of happiness. I want to make sure my gap year is well, I wanted to make sure my gap year was a really happy time for me, and um, I've done that so far. So I'm excited, I'm refreshed, and I'm ready to go into school again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if if someone were to ask me, like, how do I make the most of my gap year? I'm gonna be like, talk to Eva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could talk. You've done it all. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I don't want to completely like gloss over the fact that you mentioned uh, financial literacy and how important that is. And that's something that for those of us that are first gen or those of us that come from low income or working class backgrounds, it's, um, it's not a privilege that we have. We're not taught these things. Uh, and it's really hard to take this step to even get started learning. It's really overwhelming. For some of us, it can be, um, it can induce feelings of shame or um, it can be really scary to confront your finances and, and numbers. And some people insist that, oh, they're, they're not a math person, they're not a numbers person. And sometimes that can get in the way of them learning about financial literacy. And so hopefully this is not an episode about financial literacy, but I'm glad that you mentioned it because I do think it's important. And I do think it's even more important to do that not just during grad school, but as you're getting ready to start graduate school, that way you, you're um, going to graduate school, you've made an informed decision, you know, you know, like you said, you're going to have your emergency savings. And you're also thinking about it as, you know, it's not just 
okay, now I'm going to be a student, but you want to have a, a life outside of graduate school too. So not only do you have a, uh, an emergency savings, but also to have the capacity to plan for some joy, you know, for taking vacations, for taking trips and, and so on. So I know that wasn't the case for me and it isn't the case for a lot of current graduate students. Um, they get so caught up in, in the daily grind of graduate school, work, 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 that it's really hard to take time off, even more so if you're really tied on finances and can't afford to, to take a trip or do something um, that would allow them to, to rest or take care of themselves. So thank you for sharing that. We're getting close to wrapping up. And so I wanted to ask if there's anything else that you wanted to share around the topic of applying to graduate school, getting into graduate school, specifically in psychology, or, you know, any final words of advice for folks who are going to be <laughs> applying this fall? Right. Um, yes, I feel like the most important thing is to just make connections. They always say your network is your network. And I've learned so much from other people from connecting with other people. Your next job could be a, a new connection. Um, it's really important to make friends and, um, and read a lot. I think that there is a treasure of reading is a treasure books are a treasure I've learned a lot of about finances about myself about psychology um, anything you're interested in you could just grab a book $15 $20 that's the best investment you can make is reading um, and I think that if I were to recommend a book for anyone in their 20s it's called um, defining the decade why your 20s matter and how you can make the most of them so even if you're indecisive about going to grad school or whatever it may be, um, you should pick up that book. It really impacted me and I recommend it to any person in their 20s. It's such a great book. Um, but yeah, I think making connections is the most important and just reading, learning about yourself. And, um, and my last piece of advice is if you look good, you feel good, you do good. So take that time for self-care and um, really make sure that you're happy inside because then you, whatever you do, all your work um, will come out great. That's great. That's perfect way to end today's episode. Okay. One last thing before I let you go, how can um, folks listening reach out to you if they want to co contact you, follow you, you know, connect in some way, what's the best way for them to do that? Okay. So I am uh, starting a new Instagram called uh, at Latinx success network. So if they could want to contact me, um, I'm definitely open to helping others. Um, they could reach me on that platform on Instagram. Awesome. Okay. I'll make sure to tag you in the flyer on IG. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a great way for us to be in touch and hope I'll be following you as well. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Eva. It's been so nice to have you today. I've learned so much. I'm sure everybody else has learned a lot. You dropped quite a bit of knowledge and wisdom there <laughs> in today's episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anger page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, 
sending me a voice message on Anchor or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.